Today's episode of Schneps Connects is a little bit different. This is the first of a five-part series accompanying a written series on AM New York called Express Lane, where we are exploring new quick commerce delivery apps and their impact on different parts of life throughout New York City. Hi, my name is Kristen Brenlin. I am here with AM New York's first installment in our new series, Express Lane, which is exploring some new grocery delivery apps in New York City and their impact on the business already here. I'm here today with Tyler Ferratola, who is the U.S. co-founder of Joker, who is one of these apps. Tyler, thank you for joining me. Hey, Kirsten, thank you so much for having me. So I guess to start off, um, let's start from the beginning. Joker was founded internationally. So can you tell me a little bit about where you started off and how you launched in the United States? Yes. So Joker came together with a group of experienced founders who have worked together with almost two decades of experience, led by Ralph Wenzel, who is the former CEO and founder of Food Panda. And he pulled together a group of entrepreneurs from around the world to launch multiple markets at the same time back in the spring. Um, the first of those markets was Mexico, and we took a heavy expansion approach in the Latin America markets before eventually launching in the United States, in New York City, in early June. When you went ahead and launched in the United States, what had the experience been in Europe so far in terms of the reception and what kind of lessons did you learn as a company before the U.S. launch? So we actually weren't in Europe. We were in Europe about the same time as the United States. We were started okay. out in, in Latin America. So Mexico okay, was the okay. first market. Um, but doing the quick expansion across multiple countries really allowed us to share learnings quickly across markets. Uh, and and be quicker when we came to the United States expansion. And then New York City is the first U.S. city that you launched in, correct? Yes. And so why was New York City the first? So New York City, one, it's its, its sheer size. It's, it's such a large market from a population standpoint. And with this model, because we're delivering within a one-mile radius of what we call our micro warehouses, our hubs, you have to have a large population density within that radius for the model to work. And so New York City has some of the densest areas in the world, but it also has some of the consumers that we feel are the most valuable consumers in the world. And it's an area that we want to prove that we can make this model work. When you were choosing the first few neighborhoods that you were going to launch in, what were some of the things that you were looking for that you knew would make the app successful? Yeah. So when we went about looking at the world from an expansion standpoint, we actually did something really awesome. Our data team broke down the entire world into little hexagons and we're able to evaluate by hexagon across the entire world what were the most valuable areas to launch. And that was based on a number of factors that went into the model, but everything from population density to consumption trends, food and beverage trends, to the type of target segment that we might go after. And then from there, we were able to evaluate what are the most interesting areas and most profitable areas that we could launch in the world. And what were the first couple of neighborhoods that you launched in in New York City? So in New York, we started out uh, with a bit of a presence actually in Queens, Brooklyn, and Manhattan. We had the Union Square, Chelsea area, the Tribeca and Soho area, and then we had Williamsburg in Brooklyn and Long Island City in Queens. And we launched those all at once in early June. And we talked about this a little bit in the story. I think you said you started off with the four hubs and you now have expanded to 10. So expanding outside of those original couple of neighborhoods, 
are you looking for like a geographic closeness? Are you looking for the same sorts of density and sort of target audience that you had? What sort of influenced where you chose to go after that? Yeah, so we, we do it based on the same model in essence and, and trying to figure out what areas make most sense. But a lot of it is what our consumers are, are demanding. And, you know, we're always trying to figure out from our current consumer base, what are the next areas they want us to go in the city? What are areas that we're hearing are up and coming areas within New York and areas that are demanding you know, new food options and, and more convenient options um, on top of still looking at the model and seeing which of these markets makes most sense from a demand standpoint. And so what have those expansion neighborhoods been so far? So in, in New York now, we actually cover almost all of Manhattan south of 96th with a, a few pockets here and there that we don't cover and still Williamsburg and Long Island City. And we have further expansion plans rest of the year. And can you tell us at all what those expansion plans are? Do you know how many more hubs are, you know, are you looking for all of Manhattan, more of Brooklyn? What does that look like? I can't go into exact detail, but we are always looking at the consumer needs and, and trying to make sure that they're met. We will open you know, close to 20 of these hubs in the U.S. in, in the coming, say, six months, but I uh, won't go into exact details on the areas. Yeah. Okay. And then can you give me some details about the actual business model? Um, you've mentioned you know, these sort of micro warehouses or dark stores that you deliver from. So how exactly does this work? I'm happy to go into that. So we're building what we think is the next generation of retail, um, an online platform that can really get consumers anything they need in a short period of time. And what we're seeing is that consumers are increasingly demanding this convenience, personalization, and then more local and sustainable products. And the model works by we skip the middleman and we go directly to the suppliers and we procure and own that inventory directly versus the traditional models, something like an Instacart, where it's a third party going to pick up a product and drop off at a consumer and they don't own that inventory. So we own end to end everything from the procurement to the warehouse to the last mile delivery. So far, have you seen people sort of behaving differently when they're ordering food or groceries from Joker than they would be if they were just like heading out to a physical grocery store? What's sort of the main thing that people are turning to you guys for? Sure. Yes and no. I think we do see some people that, you know, it's, it's the person that forgot one ingredient when they're making a meal at home and they realize they can get that ingredient in 15 minutes to a person that's fulfilling their entire grocery needs through the Joker platform. And what's super interesting is that even the customer who maybe comes for the one-off craving or ingredient missing, that person, he or she then realizes they can build a full basket size. And we offer all these great fresh products and local heroes. And from that, they can then increase their basket size over time. And that's what we're seeing is people really starting to rely fully on this. You know, the average customer spends about an hour and a half a week in a grocery store. And I think when they realize that suddenly they can do that in from their couch and in a quick order and then wait less than 15 minutes, that's another hour and 15 minutes that they get back in their lives that they can use um, for other things. And I think we're in a world now where people really value that time. Do you think that that kind of thing sort of became more apparent to people during the pandemic where there were more and more people either getting like Uber Eats, like sort of dinner deliveries or who were turning to Instacart for their full grocery order rather than going out? 
The pandemic definitely helped accelerate the trend. Already people were moving towards asking and demanding for this convenience. But I think with the pandemic, more and more people shifted online. The space in general is a huge space. It's almost an $8 trillion market. And even now, it's still only about 3% online globally. So you have a huge opportunity to push even more people on. Um, but that trend was accelerating. There was a big jump in the number of people that were trying these services out for the first time. And that allowed us to come to market. And I think there was already a bit of market education around being able to order your groceries. Beforehand, didn't necessarily do this in 15 minutes. You know, it was a two, three hour scheduled window with most of the platforms. And so it's a very different value proposition. In terms of product, um, you talked a little bit about people are looking for more sort of local and sustainable things and Joker buys their stock wholesale rather than like you said, it's not a third party like Instacart. And so how did you sort of go about choosing what you were going to carry and how is that going to change over time? For me, it's, it's my favorite thing about this model is that because we own all the inventory and we do have these micro warehouses per neighborhood, we're always able to look at what a consumer wants, when they want it, and where they want it, and make sure that we're meeting those needs. And that comes all the way down to the hyper-local level of within each neighborhood, what does that demographic want? And making sure that we have those products and just those products, because there's two pieces there. One is that we're always meeting the customer demand and that we have the exact right supply that makes our customers happy. And then the other piece is if you have just what they demand and nothing else, you save a lot on the costs and you also reduce food waste. And so is this the kind of thing where over time, you know, in each individual warehouse, you'll be able to see what the trends are, what are the exact things that people are buying and how many of them they're buying in the day? Exactly. So okay. we are hyper data driven. I think we're always looking at exactly what the consumer trends are and, and what our customers are buying. And we're able to actually change out the inventory multiple times a day even. So we're looking throughout the day and for example, say, you know, we know that these are the breakfast foods that people demand in the morning. We might have our fridges in the space filled with those breakfast foods in the morning. And we know exactly how much we'll sell. So we sell them out by noon and we switch those fridges out for dinner foods by the evening. And I think that's where you really start to see the beauty of the model in that we can cut our own inventory costs. We can be more sustainable by reducing our food waste. And we can make sure that we have exactly what the customer wants and they don't have to spend their time going through a large grocery store trying to figure out where the items are that they might demand. And do you know offhand, like what changes you've made in certain warehouses in certain neighborhoods? Is there like a product that sticks out that one neighborhood really loves that another has no interest in? I'll give you a few quick examples. I mean, we do see, you know, big differences between various neighborhoods, especially on the demographic, as I mentioned. And, you know, for a while we were seeing some, a place like Lower East Side, not sure if it's a younger demographic there, but we were seeing a lot of Blue Gatorades uh, purchase as an example. And so we switched out and we added more of that inventory on Sundays and we actually added a recovery tile in our app for Sunday. So I think a pretty good example of being able to meet, you know, what's being demanded at the market. And somewhere like Williamsburg, we see a ton of fresh produce being purchased. And there we've really stepped up the produce that we offer and even put in new produce fridges to make sure it's even fresher for that neighborhood. And then you talked about sort of aiming to reduce food waste. How do you handle the waste that you do have right now? Already we work with uh, a number of partners, uh, one of them being Too Good to Go. And we've already trained our supervisors to, you know, on a daily basis, take the waste that we have, 
um, and put it in the bags for two good to go members to come by. They can stop by our hubs after hours, you know, at 5 p.m. and they can pick up the bags of the waste from the night before. But I will say that we've done a good job of actually managing the amount of waste. There isn't a whole lot. And that's because of the fact that we're able to manage our inventory so well, because we do inventory, we know what the customer demands um, and having that end to end ownership and understanding really allows you to purchase just what you need and when you need it. And then getting into the actual mechanics of the delivery. So you have these warehouses that are based in each neighborhood. And are there people who are there waiting for these orders to come in to fill them and bring them out? Yes. So every neighborhood has a hub, as we say, it's the micro warehouse. These warehouses are anywhere from 2,000 to 4,000 square feet. And within those warehouses, we have essentially a grocery store that we built that we just deliver from. And that grocery store, we have our associates who are the workers that are there. We have both riders and then pickers and pickers are actually picking these orders as they come in. And then they're giving them to our riders and the riders are taking these, the last mile. And that last mile is generally around one mile radius from the warehouse. Um, We deliver by e-bike. And do you have an idea of about how many people are working in each warehouse at a given time? It's really dependent on, on the warehouse and the demand. You know, we, another area where we're always evaluating how many riders and pickers we need to make sure we meet exactly the demand uh, for a given neighborhood. But, you know, it's somewhere where we've already employed hundreds of these uh, associates across the city and hopefully even more to come. And then have you also seen a lot of expansion in your actual like office location. I just when you started reporting, you were talking about how the office has gotten pretty loud. Um, so has that been a quick expansion as well? Yes, it's been great. I mean, and, and we don't, I think one of the things that I love about Joker is, you know, we don't have two different, we don't try to try to disassociate the the warehouse from the corporate headquarters. I think it's all one team and that's a part of the reason why, you know, we we employ our riders and our pickers and Everyone is a, a police a joker, but we've seen the whole company grow from the, the warehouses to, to the corporate and it's been a very quick growth, right? We just launched in early June and um, have seen that, that growth over these past four months. Do you feel like you're competing against sort of like brick and mortar grocery stores or bodegas or is your competition primarily other delivery apps? I, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, the, in the end of the day, as I mentioned earlier, we're trying to create the next generation of online retail and, and that retail is kind of all categories. And so we do see the the supermarkets and the bodegas as a major competitor. Um, they're in the space and, you know, they're also meeting customer needs in, in the grocery area. And then there's the, the new quick commerce players uh, that are also doing 15 minutes. But like I said, the, the industry is so large being a trillion dollar grocery industry and, and such low penetration of the online market that we still see such a big opportunity. And at this point, we're much more focused on our customer experience than we are the competition. And, and we think that you know we're going to do a nice job in this market. Actually, something you said just now like caught my attention about sort of these, the quick commerce being a pretty, a pretty small market. And if you're like reading, you know, doing Google searches of like the new grocery delivery apps, quick commerce, it looks like a bunch have sprung up in the last year. So, but is it still a pretty small niche market? 
it, so it, on the outside, it does look like there's so many of us that have sprung up and, it, you know, it's hyper competitive and it is, I, I won't say it's not. Um, there is a lot of us. And I think the reason there's a lot of us is because how big an opportunity is. Um, and so it might seem like from the outside that, you know, there's, it's becoming an extremely crowded space, but at the end of the day, as I mentioned, there's such a small percentage of the total grocery market that's actually online still that there's still a, a ton of penetration left and, and enough demand for all of us to fulfill in the short term. And I think it's really going to come down to who can meet their customer needs in the best way and, and drive the best customer experience. Um, and that will be the players that they went out in the space. We're sort of coming to the end here. I did want to ask, we talked a little bit about some of the things that are more or less popular in different neighborhoods. Is there one particular item that like dominates everywhere that people really love? It's tough to say. I think it, it really depends on, on the given week. For a long time, our, our seltzer waters, LaCroix was a huge uh, winner mm -hmm. for, I would say, majority of the summer, it was up there on top. So people love their water. I think produce is another one. We always see produce items at the top, bananas, apples, they're up there um, all the time. But uh, what's great is it, it does change over. And I think we're starting to see more and more, you know, everything from your everyday household items to your coffees to fresh produce. And it just really is changing. And I think people are starting to experiment more and more with what they can purchase through our platform. And do you think even that those, the demand might change like seasonally? Like, I don't know if now people will be looking for like more baked goods or if you guys have anything like pumpkin spice flavored. Yes, we do. We can't miss the pumpkin spice craze. It's a, <laughs> uh, it's very, it, it is seasonal. And uh, I, I think that, the core grocery needs will always be there, but they're, we want to be fun and we want to make sure on top of that, we're always matching the seasonal needs. And so our category team is always evaluating what's in demand in the given time in the market. And that goes back to always making sure that we're listening to the customers. Um, so we have a lot of cool things coming up for Halloween, for Thanksgiving. We just did pumpkins actually for Halloween. We were delivering uh, pumpkins to customers for carving, which was really cool. Um, and then we have a bunch coming up for, for Christmas and the, and the other holidays. Yeah, that's very cool. All right. And is there anything else that you want to talk about with Joker before we wrap up? Uh, no, I mean, I'd, I'd say if you haven't used it, please give us a try. As we mentioned here, I think there, there is a lot of players, but you know, we're only going to get better on the fact that we're going to be trying as personalized as possible, uh, making sure we always understand what you want and, and we have it for you. And um, we do that conveniently and giving you back the time you need in your own life to, to live your best life. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Thank you for listening. You can find the written companion piece to today's episode on amny.com. And you can find the rest of this series or any other Schneps podcasts wherever you get your podcasts or at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs> <laughs>